Will Justin Herbert's fractured rib cartilage keep him out against the Jacksonville Jaguars? We are playing buy or sell with the Chargers' biggest storylines and overreactions on today's Locked On Chargers podcast. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together now for six seasons. But we're in our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen. To make sure you guys never miss the show, go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. And today, David, it's buy or sell. We did this last week. We like how when we're doing it again today, especially when it starts with Justin Herbert and if he is going to play against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll talk about one, what one medical specialist had to say about him. We'll also talk about what happens if Justin Herbert can't play. Will the Chargers still be able to beat the Jaguars? And we'll also get into if the Chargers defense has quietly been elite so far this season, buying or selling on that. And if Asante Samuel Jr. might have just played the best game he's ever played as a Charger. And then we'll also get into Brandon Staley, who has come into under some heat, I would say, for not being as aggressive as we saw him as a rookie coach in 2021. Maybe he should have been more aggressive against the Chiefs in week two if the Chargers wanted to pull out a victory. But today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Price Picks is my favorite daily fantasy site. All you have to do is pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their Price Picks projections, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com, promo code locked on. So, David, it's buy or sell second time around. So, let's start it right here. Will, are you buying or selling that Justin Herbert will play in this week's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah. So, I mean, Going into this, uh, I, I was like everyone else, very concerned about Justin Herbert's health and and wanting to know, you know, what the extent of this injury was going to be and how it was going to affect him and his play on the field. And so, it, you know, in my research, you know, it brought me to Daniel Popper's article uh, about, you know, some pain management. And that's really what this injury is going to come down to is the ability to manage pain. So he was talking to Dr. Ian Denon, who is a pain management specialist, and he said that basically the strategy here is similar to dealing with rib cartilage fracture and rib bone fracture, appropriate rest, ice, anti-inflammatories, avoidance to direct injury if at all possible. And also the primary focus is entirely on pain management with a rib cartilage fracture. So we know we've been around some incredibly tough football players out there that can play through some incredible amounts of pain. And that we also know that, you know, they have some shots that can help, with pain management as well. That's very, very common in today's NFL game. So I am going to buy that Justin Herbert is going to play on Sunday. I think that they will have appropriate measures in place to try to protect him as much as possible. Um, But at the end of the day, Dan, it really just comes down to his ability to manage the amount of pain that he's going to be under. Yeah. And I mean, if it comes down to that, especially with, you know, pain blocks and things that we've heard of other quarterbacks with rib injuries getting, I mean, you would think if it's just down to that, he would play, right? If you look back to last year, a couple of different quarterbacks had rib injuries. Justin Fields missed two games with cracked ribs. And then you had Tua Tonga-Vailoa missed, I think, believe, three games with broken ribs. So 
we have seen quarterbacks miss time, but obviously with Herbert, this is just rib cartilage. So it was nice to see Daniel Popper from The Athletic getting, you know, that news from a doctor who also works with the Ducks, the Kings, the Angels, and some other Southern California sports teams where he is consulting those teams on what to do. But what he did also say, David, is that there is some risk for re-injury if they do play him too soon. And we don't expect him, you know, to not go out there fully padded right in a full-on night suit of armor if they have to, right? Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like that's the risk now because I think it is huge for Justin Herbert to play in this game. But what this doctor is also saying is like, hey, he still could, you know, get more hurt. But at the same time, he's less likely to have a punctured lung than he would be if he had a f- actual fractured bone in his ribs. Which is great news. And that yeah. was the, the part of the news that Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, was alluding to when he talked about getting the news back from the CT scans. Good and, news, right? You know, from, yeah, the good news that he got back was that, hey, you know, the, the ribs aren't aren't broken. You know, it, it's, it's fractured cartilage, which is more so about pain management. If we were talking about broken ribs here, then I think we're, get, you know, guaranteed to – to see Justin Herbert miss time. So, you know, with this being something more, something that they can manage and they have a lot of different ways that they can do that, you know, with the anti-inflammatories, with the ice. And also it's a big benefit of him having this little mini bye week. They play in on Thursday. He gets extra time to rest. They can really push this thing to the middle of the week and really say, Hey, Justin, stay off your feet, you know, ice it, do everything that you can to try to get ready to, get to the middle of the week to see how you feel and the chargers will put to put a plan together to try to get him to game day and play sunday whether that's limited practice i would expect that's something that you're going to see this week for justin herbert yeah i mean i'm buying it i think that he'll play this week if it is pain management i think the next question is okay well what does that do to the offense right and and Will they have their starting offensive line, which will be a hugely important thing too, right? Will Corey Lindsley come back? Will Trey Pipkins come back? We heard from Brandon Staley that those guys should be back at practice this week, so that's a little bit more comforting, right? Because you definitely, if you're putting Justin Herbert out there and he is a little bit more at risk, you definitely want your all-pro center out there, right, to protect him. Yes. at the same time, I mean, I think it's just, if it is as simple as that, if it is just pain management, as we're saying, you know, based on this, what we're hearing coming out right now, you would think he has to play. But at the same time, David, there's no way to be sure because he is a prodigy. He is the golden child of this franchise, and they could elect for caution. So it's not 100% that he's going to play in this game. So this next buy or sell is this. The Chargers can still beat the Jaguars if Justin Herbert can't play this upcoming week. Yeah, so with this one, it's not an automatic for me. You know, I can't just say, you know, as much as a homer as I am, as I'm sure you all know, I am definitely more pro Chargers than anything. Although, you know, just looking at this objectively, I still believe that the Chargers have more talent on both sides of the ball, on defense and on offense. Although these are not your father's Jaguars, okay? This is a better coached team. I do feel like they have some legitimate talent on both sides of the ball. But they're also nowhere as close to as good as shutting out the Indianapolis Colts uh, as well. I don't expect to to see the Jaguars be able to do that with the chart to the Chargers with Justin Herbert or without Justin Herbert. So I'm going to buy that they can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it is exceedingly more difficult than it would be if Justin Herbert was there playing quarterback for you. 100%. I I mean, you lose the biggest advantage you have over Jacksonville if you lose Justin Herbert, right? Now you have Chase Daniel in there, you know, a guy who doesn't have an above 500 record as a starter, but also wasn't always playing with as loaded of a team as the Chargers have right now, which does absolutely make a difference. 
Look at even over the weekend, the Cowboys versus the Bengals, right? Dak Prescott leaves. Cooper Rush is in the game. And one thing leads to another. The Cowboys are pulling that game out. So it's like it absolutely can happen. We see it happen all the time. Would I feel comfortable in it about it? No. I mean, no. would the Chargers be favored? I don't know. It is a home game, right? That does make a difference. Not having to go West Coast to East Coast is definitely something. And the Jaguars, the favor. unlike most other franchises, they do really do not travel well at all. Yeah, I mean, the Jag, yeah, it's hard because we don't really know what this Jaguars team is yet, right? They played a tough game against the Washington Commanders in week one, and then they ended up smoking the Indianapolis Colts. And I mean, no matter how you look at it, Matt Ryan was very bad. They did a very Horrible. impressive job on Jonathan Taylor, dude. Let's, let's let's not forget who Jonathan Taylor is, though, as well. Yeah. I mean, that dude was carving up everybody last year, you know, had as many yards as he did. That's an impressive performance from them. They've looked more competent than I thought they would look, at least through two weeks so i'm excited to get into like you know the crossover later on the week when we get to our keys and previews and stuff and we have a little bit more information but i think you can't feel good about it if it's chase daniel i think there's a sentiment out there that hey we can rest justin herbert because chase daniel will be fine i mean there's no nfl game you can take that chance if justin herbert can play you have to play him especially you know if, if it's something where it's just pain management if it's just something that they have to kind of monitor as it goes you have to at least try if he's comfortable, if it's not taking away from that his, the, him as a player, which obviously we saw with the re- adrenaline going in that game when he was you know barely able to move. It seemed like throwing you know forty yard ropes down the field. So, One of the best throws ever, like literally I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it just it's, do, still doesn't make sense, and I've watched it you know fifteen more times after that. It's just ridiculous. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I would have said less than you know thirty yards on that pass if I had an option to on that play because I didn't think after he was throwing that that he de- would have been able to throw anything, let alone throw a laser beam down the field. But another part of this buyer side I wanted to get into, David, is talking about the defense, which maybe we haven't talked about enough. And if they have kind of quietly been elite this season, then if Asante Samuel Jr., a guy everyone was mad at after the last game, actually had the best game of his career so far. So we're going to keep by ourselves going. But I do need to tell you guys about my favorite daily fantasy where I'm going more than all the time at Prize Picks, where you guys can go to prizepicks.com or get the Prize Picks app. And for tonight's football doubleheader on Monday Night Football, it works like this. You guys could go more or less than 84 and a half rushing yards for Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook, more or less than half a touchdown. You could go even... Kirk Cousins or Jalen Hurts more than or less than half an interception. That's how it works at Price Picks. It's just you versus their projections, and you pick two to five players. And if they go score more or less than their Price Picks projection, you can win up to ten times your money on any entry. Price Picks offers projections for any sport that you watch, including NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, even college football. So right now, guys, download the Price Picks app or go to PricePicks.com and sign up for the. They are daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, they'll give you $100. If you deposit $50, they will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON and sign up for that instant deposit match up to $100. All right, David, well, it's time to continue buy or sell here on the Chargers' biggest storylines and overreactions. And this maybe isn't overreaction, but it was something I was kind of thinking about over the weekend, which was just... Hey, the Chargers had a really impressive game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought they made Patrick Mahomes super uncomfortable. And I think if you go back to week one against the Raiders, they made Derek Carr, you know, very uncomfortable to the tune of two forced fumbles and three interceptions. Speaking of which, I mean, feeling for all the Raider fans out there today, you know, family, trust, and respect to all of you guys out there always, for that one. That's a, a real, 
really tough, biggest blown lead in franchise history. And the oh, Chargers man. know a thing or two about blown Horrible. lead. But feel terrible for them. Either way, it seems like the Chargers defense has been making quarterbacks more uncomfortable and has just been playing much better than the defense that we saw last season. Are you buying, David, that this Chargers defense has kind of under the radar been elite already in 2022? Yeah, I am going to buy that. I and mean, just looking at looking at the stats here, I mean, th- this Chargers defense definitely looks different. I mean, there are elements to it that we did not see last year that we are seeing this year. I think just yeah. overall, they are more physical. I, I think they're more physical in the middle of their defensive line and on their edges. I, I think you see a guy with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on both sides that set very physical edges that can really break tackles and shed blocks and go out there and make tackles on the ball carrier. Like they're, they're really setting that tone. And then Derwin James too, just on, on the back end or really just being everywhere. I mean, him him just being everywhere on the football field. Um, Also like what I've seen out of Nas, I think Kenneth Murray has also shown us some good things here this year, looking healthy, which is really, really nice to see. Uh, I just, you know, and also just looking at the numbers, six sacks here, two interceptions, three forced fumbles. They've allowed 64 and 93 yards rushing respectively after last year, giving up 138 and a half rushing yards per game on average. So just using your eyeballs and looking at the stats, everything is all pointing towards the Chargers defense being much better this season. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, what, three interceptions just off Derek Carr. Feels like it should be seven after that last game. Uh, Yes. Seven total sacks through two games, right? That's three and a half sacks per game, which you're very happy about. And also one and a half interceptions per game, right? A few, what, four forced fumbles that they probably should have jumped on, at least a couple of those as well. So, I mean, this team is taking away the ball much, much better than it did last year already, which is a hugely encouraging sign because it does seem like even though it's three interceptions right now, right? Even though it's seven sacks, like it still feels like it could be more, especially on the interception oh, yeah. side. Like it feels like they should have five interceptions, six interceptions at even, minimum through two games. And, and so you're seeing those opportunities are there way more often against two quarterbacks that are, you know, two highly thought of quarterbacks and, you know, maybe an MVP level quarterback in Patrick Mahomes or definitely yeah. an MVP level quarterback in Patrick Absolutely. Mahomes. So to do that to those guys, I mean, to hold Patrick Mahomes to 235 yards in a game, I think is great. Obviously, you made him uncomfortable. And yeah. I mean, just through two games to go up against the Raiders offense and the Chiefs offense and give up only 19 and a half points because I'm taking away the pick six, obviously, that the Chargers gave yeah, it's up. It's not the defense fault. Yeah, it's not. And they wouldn't have got the extra point, you know, if the touchdown hadn't happened. So I'm, I'm giving the Chargers defense a 20 spot there against the Chiefs and a 19 spot against Devontae Adams, Derek Carr and the Raiders with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, all those guys healthy. Good. And what we were what were we saying last year when the Chargers defense was giving up 28 points per game? We're saying Justin Herbert cannot effectively bring the Chargers back every single yeah. time. And now this year. Defense only giving up 20 points per game. That is a marked improvement. And I mean, even in the last game, the defense held strong enough to get the Chargers a chance to, you know, be within three points in that game, even yeah. after five straight, you know, scoreless possessions and giving up a pick six. The defense still was there. And I think the biggest thing, David, is the pass rush. I mean, through oh, yeah. two games last season, the Chargers had 26 pressures and three sacks. This year, they have 34 pressures in seven sacks. So that's, Thanks, you know, twice as many sacks per game and eight more pressures. So four more pressures per game is a big deal. Plus you're going up against better offenses. So I think it starts there because when you have that elite pass rush and some guys playing on the back end, that's obviously a recipe for success, especially 
when Asante Samuel Jr. is looking the way he is because David, I put on Twitter, right? Like everyone's only going to remember the two interceptions that Asante Samuel Jr. had. And that's true because that's huge, right? It could have changed the game. Yeah. But I still came away hugely, hugely impressed with Asante Samuel Jr.'s game, especially after giving up like nine for 108 in week one against Devontae Adams to come back and do what he did last week. Yes, a lesser slate of receivers. But David, I think this buy or sell is very fair. Did Asante Samuel, Asante Samuel Jr. just played his best game as a charger buy or sell? I'm going to buy that 100%, and, and and it has everything to do with what he did in the first game against Devontae Adams and still having that mentality of you might beat me, but you're not going to defeat me. You might, you might, you might win yeah. one of the battles, but you're not going to win the war, and that's the mentality that Asante Samuel Jr. brings to the table, and that's what you have to have. You have to have that as a corner. It's going to happen. You have to be able to let something happen erase it and come back and fight the very next play and in this game particularly against the Chiefs nobody really did anything he was pretty much locked down he had his hands on a football three separate times and he just couldn't come down with the interception although one of them we know especially after Sunday where miraculously there was an interception that was almost exactly the same but got called an interception Hmm, I wonder why. Because Asante Samuel Jr.'s interception was also an interception that got reversed. Ridiculous. <laughs> Obviously, we're crying over spilled milk here, but he should have had that one. That one should have been his. Also, it was a miraculous effort. But it wasn't just that. It was the pass breakups. It's the it's the the ability to to really move around the formation, although he did most of his work on the outside at corner with Bryce Callahan in the slot and now J.C. Jackson on the other side. I think you're going to see a good performance from Asante only get better and better as the season goes on. I like how David just casually, you know, slipped in a little league wide conspiracy, you know, that's going against the chargers against KC and it's going for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cue the, you know, David in some room trying to connect the dots for the big conspiracy. <laughs> oh, you're Tom Brady. Where's Pepe Sylvia? I mean, I think, you know, it's, with him, the confidence level is the thing that really stands out to me the most. Yes. He's playing with that edge that he came into the league with. And I don't know if you lose that edge, but it definitely seemed to lessen when he came back from his second concussion last year. I mean, with yeah, it, the, the spark was a little dimmer towards the end of the end of the season last just year. Just seemed like he was a little bit more tentative, especially to hit. Yeah. So that's why I'd said, you know, on the postgame show that one of my favorite plays was just him coming up you know, an open field tackle situation and just laying the wood and then getting yes. up and flexing afterwards. Like we've like seen if, before. If that dude yeah. can come out, like that's a scary dude. Yeah. Especially because even with the give and take of week one where he mostly gave it away, he still got his. He had the, one of the yeah. best interceptions I've ever seen. He it had takeaways. Really he had pass breakups to, you know, help the Chargers extend the lead, which they didn't. But he gave him a chance to at yeah. the very least, right? And I just think that that confidence, if that dude can play like that with J.C. Jackson on the other side, good luck. Because that dude is yeah. playing, I think, brimming with confidence. Well, I mean, like I said, and Bryce Callahan in the slot, who's been ridiculous. Right. Like, yeah, he's been I think Bryce Callahan through two games. Passer rating against him is like thirty something, <laughs> something <laughs> insane. But in this last game, I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. targeted six times, gave up three receptions for only twenty yards, so seven yards. yards, right? Basically, a little less than seven yards per catch. And then also, you combine that with the fact that the other three targets that went his way that he didn't allow for a reception were all pass breakups. Yeah. <laughs> he stopped every single one. He got his hands on every single one of them. He forced the incompletions on every single one of them. And he has ball skills, right? So I'm oh, going to yeah. give him somewhat of a pass in this game. It was huge. And they could have absolutely used it. 
I'm not going to go as far to say he doesn't have ball skills. You don't make that play you do week one if you don't have ball skills. And just seeing him all around the ball, I think, is a huge thing for this Chargers defense because he was one of the biggest wild cards going into the season. And I was one of the people who said, hey, let me see it. It was a little unclear after week one. After week two, I mean, he was looking like a dog. And if you can do that week in and week out and have the confidence to take on someone like Devontae Adams one-on-one, that's the kind of cornerback you want because so much of that position is being able to forget about the bad boys, is yes. how, how confident you are, right? But how confident is Brandon Staley in his offense? Because he had a couple of times last week where he could have went for it in the first half against the Kansas City Chiefs to really put the foot on the neck of the Chiefs and really be aggressive like he was in 2021. Or was he still pretty aggressive? We're going to talk about that. And if Josh Kelly has kind of solidified his role as RB2 in this offense because he has clearly been... I mean, he might be the best running back so far as far as carries. He's been the most effective running back so far. So we're going to get into that. But I do need to tell you guys about something I just heard about, and it really, really has changed everything for me. And it is Turo. And Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. This is something I had no idea about, and I'm just looking at my neighborhood, and casually there's Rolls Royces and Range Rovers and Teslas and Corvettes and all this crazy stuff that you can just Find someone who can share that car with you. And in my experience, much cheaper than any rental place that I've ever used. And you can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. You can book a spacious SUV, a minivan for a family road trip, or you can get a luxury car for a special event or a birthday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and you just need to get to A to B. You can find that at Toro, or you can test drive that new electric vehicle you've maybe had your eyes on to see if it might fit in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms and conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com. All right, David, we're continuing our buy or sell here. And I wanted to get into something that I didn't, didn't get to get into enough in the postgame show, which was Brandon Staley being potentially less aggressive. I mean, he made a couple of calls on Thursday night against the Chiefs where the Chargers were in a situation where I thought they were for sure going to go for it, and they didn't. So let's go through what those calls were. The biggest ones were in the first half. I had posted during the game saying, the Chargers have dominated the first half. They truly did. They dominated the first oh, half yeah. of the Kansas City game, but it felt like they should have 20-plus points, is what yeah. I had said at the time. And I think a lot of that was because Brandon Staley, at least with his offense, got very conservative compared to his freakishly aggressive standard, which I think is the important context to keep here. But let's go to the specific instances. So Kansas City 47 with 902 left in the second quarter. They face a fourth and two. They're up 10 to seven. So they're up three points in the second quarter. The Chargers decide to punt it. They pin him back. They did a good job on it. If they had gone to for it, according to next gen stats, they would have increased their win percentage by 2.4%. This is the thing. Brandon Staley doesn't pay for it. Kansas City 48 on the next drive. You punt on fourth and two with a minute and three seconds left in the second quarter while you're still up 10 to seven. And it could have increased your chances of win by winning by 2.6%. But the Chargers didn't pay for it either. The Chiefs had to punt. Nobody scored before halftime. So they went into halftime with, I'd say, a mediocre three-point lead, it felt like. So, David, when I laid those situations out for you, if I say Brandon Staley should have been more aggressive in the first half, are you buying or selling that? I'm buying the fact that he should be, should have been more aggressive, at least on that second one. The the one towards halftime where there's a minute left and you're pretty much right in the middle of the field, 
that one's like, why are, why is this even a conversation? Like be aggressive, go for it. This is an opportunity to score and then get the ball back uh, after halftime and score again. That's one of them where, uh, you know, the, the first call, you know, in the, in the first quarter going for it, I, I'm okay with, you know, not going for it there. That that's fine. Whatever. Get the points on the board. But the one towards well, halftime, yeah. I didn't talk about the field goal one. So the field oh, goal yeah. one, when they went up three to zero, it would have only increased the percentage of winning by 0.7%. They took the points after their defense had already gotten start, already gotten a stop, and they went up 3-0 there. The next two, there were both punts, both on fourth and two, one from the Kansas City 47, one from the Kansas City 48. Yeah, the forty, the Kansas City 47 one, I'm okay with. That That one's fine. Nothing happened. The The, the Chargers uh, defense was able to get a, whole, get a stop there. But like I said, the one before halftime, I felt like was a big missed opportunity. But if you're asking me buy or sell, Brandon Staley hasn't been aggressive overall on fourth down. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sell that because the Chargers have gone for it on fourth down five times and they have succeeded four of those five times through two games. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that black and white as four or five just because it's like, OK, well, towards the end of the game, when you're down by 10 points, you don't really have much of a choice. Right. So you're not getting credit for me on those ones where I would give them credit is. In the first half, they did go for it when they were up three to zero on fourth and one from the 49 yard line of Kansas City. It was three to zero. They went on to score a touchdown, which made it 10 zero. That was a big yeah. point of that game, right? Then in the second half, after they didn't go for it the last two times in the first half, they end up going for it when it's 10 to seven on the Kansas City 18 yard line, right? So easily in field goal range. They could have taken the points to go up by six. They decide to kick the field goal afterward, or they don't kick the field goal. They go on to score a touchdown to make it 17 to seven. They take it from but still would have been a one-score game to a two-score game by doing that. That's still pretty aggressive for most coaches. Going for it twice it in those situations, not taking the three points, right? Going for it on the Kansas City 49, it is no man's land, but it's still not a given. It's a little bit more in today's NFL. I think that is still slightly more aggressive. It's not as aggressive as Brandon Saley was last year. My biggest thing is now, yes, I get it that he trusts the defense more, 100%, right? There was times last year where I questioned it for sure. But I didn't question it when they were doing it against Kansas City because I knew exactly who was on the other side. And I knew that yeah. the Chiefs at some point were going to figure something out and they were going to go score points. That's why right. I was always like, do what you got to do. Take big swings. Take chances if you need to. Go win the game. They I didn't agree. pay for it and they didn't give up any points when they decided to get Kansas City the ball back. What they also didn't do is score any points of their own, right? Because right. like you said before halftime, I mean, the argument there, David, is okay, well, I'm not going to give it to Patrick Mahomes on the 50-yard line with a minute to score still because they can go score a touchdown. That, that's the argument, right? You're giving him great field right. position to change momentum before half. Sure. If you do go for it, though, maybe you do go up 17 points, and then you come back in the second half, and you get another seven, and all of a sudden, right, you get 14 points right there, and you're up exactly. 24 to 7 at that point. That feels a lot different than 17 to 7. Feels a lot different than, you know, the situations 10 to 7, all that stuff in the first half. So the, my biggest thing is like, hey, the whole thing when you're going for it was never about how bad your defense is. Maybe you were just trying to protect them. It was always about I'm going to put it in Justin Herbert's hands and I'm going to let him do it because I trust my offense so much. Yeah, That seems like you're speaking out both sides of your mouth a little bit to me because it's like sure. you could have trusted Justin Herbert there. You could have just stayed aggressive and continued to try to pour it on against the Chiefs. And in the second half, your offensive linemen get injured and a bunch of other things happen that you can't foresee. But it absolutely hurt you because if you had gotten those points in the first half, we might be talking about a different game. If you go for it and you don't make it, it could be a different game. So it's always push or pull, but I still think Brandon Staley is more aggressive than most coaches. And, and that's, that's okay sure. with me. But I still liked it when he was a little bit more. I think he still should have been in that first half. <laughs> Let's get to the last buy or sell here, David. And that is Josh Kelly should be RB2 for this team. 
this is the way I put it. Josh, Josh Kelly should out carry Sony Michelle going forward. Definitely. I'm buying it a hundred percent. No question about it. Josh Kelly has been a different running back since the beginning of when I saw him in training camp. I mean, he looks like he was in great shape. He looks like he was cutting very, very decisively, very smooth. He hit the hole and he, and he took off. That's what I've seen through two games as well. And the stats back that up. I mean, he's had eight carries, 43 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. He just, he's a guy that has really looked like a different football player, like a different running back. He needs to get more opportunities. Good things happen when he's touching the football right now. Absolutely. I thought he's done a good job. You know, even if he's only averaging like a little over six yards a catch, seems like he's made somebody miss on all of those catches, though, and got the positive yards you're looking for in those situations, catching it around the line of scrimmage. I agree. It's still an incredibly small sample size. That's the hard part here. We're talking about eight carries. You know what I mean? That's nothing to really go off of. Sony Michelle, though, has had 11 carries, and it was only 25 yards, so 2.3 yards per carry average. That's not great. Neither one of them has a touchdown. Sony Michelle is also not playing special teams. He has zero special team snaps, too, so he's not really helping in that way. It's like we always kind of said, Sony Michelle just kind of is what he is. He's not flashy. He's going to get what the defense gives him kind of a thing. He's going to run hard. He's going to fall forward. He has yeah. still done some of those things. He hasn't been a big disappointment. But what I think, though, David, is that you know what the floor is now. You feel comfortable yeah. with your floor, and you're more confident in Josh Kelly. Let's yeah. see some Isaiah Spiller now. That That's Absolute, what makes me yes. think because it's like, hey, if you feel good about Josh Kelly – we know what Sony Michelle is at this point. We don't know what Isaiah Spiller is. So why not give him a few carries a game and see if he can do something? Because the Chargers are still very much ex- really missing those explosive runs. They still don't have it. He's a guy that can chain some cuts together at times and pick up, you know, 10 to 15 yards. We've seen him do it. And yeah. he still looked pretty good, and he seems fully healthy. Now, I'm fully in favor, David, buy or sell this. Isaiah Spiller should be active in week three against the Jaguars. Bye, 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 please. I want to see what the kid can do on Sundays. I saw what he did in training camp. I saw a little bit what he did in the preseason before he went down. But this is a guy I have always been very excited about. I feel like he has really good contact balance. He does not go down on first contact. He he really bounces off of tackles. He can make people miss. He does have some decent speed as well. We don't know what the ceiling is of this Chargers running back room because we haven't seen what Isaiah Spiller is capable of doing running behind this Chargers starting offensive line up against a defense. I feel like there's definitely some more there to explore and in order to be able to see what the guy can do, you got to make him active and give him a couple of opportunities, man. Exactly. I mean, you don't three running backs, especially if you're keeping it, you know, the third one's not doing anything for you special teams wise. Why not make that Isaiah Spiller? You should trust him enough at this point to be able to get you 2.3 yards per carry. And it could be much more than that. Right. So yeah. why not give the kid a chance? He was probably the Chargers best pass catcher. He, he beat Josh Kelly in that aspect through yeah. training camp and through the preseason. Let's see what the kid has at this point. I'm sure a lot of it is pass protection, and Sony Michelle is more trusted as a pass protector. I get that. Your yeah. quarterback has hurt ribs. You might lean towards the side of who's a better pass protector and not take the upside of Isaiah Spiller. I'm ready to see it. Seems like a place that he's really improved that part of his game. He hasn't taken any real live bullets yet as far as real NFL talent, not in a preseason game. I'm still willing to take the chance. If he could be a guy that potentially gets some explosive runs, it hasn't been big wide open holes for these Charger running backs. I'll tell you that. One guy who is exceptional at being able to move in tight spaces, Isaiah Spiller might lead the Chargers in that because that is something, yeah. his footwork in tight holes is something that I think really separates him from a lot of other guys. And I think that is 
one of the places where he definitely has a plus plus from me as far as skill level there. But I'm ready to see it. So hopefully we get to see it week three against the Jaguars. But we didn't even talk about how Tyrod Taylor is suing the Chargers because they have the same doctor who's going to be treating Justin Herbert's lungs as they did as poked, you know, a hole in Tyrod Taylor's lungs. But that is a little disconcerting. I wish I would have said that earlier, but we'll see how that happens. The good news is we're going to have more information as the week continues, but we're ready to see Isaiah Spiller. Charge defense is for real. All of those things are true, but tomorrow we get to hear your perspective on it because we want to go Twitter Tuesday and get your guys' questions on the show. We've been jam-packed, haven't had as much time for fan stuff. We want to get to you guys tomorrow. Make sure you follow us at LockedOnLAC so you can get your Twitter questions in. If you put them in the YouTube comments, we make exceptions as well, and you can also call into the voicemail line at 323-524-7924 to get your voicemail on the show. But we are doing Twitter Tuesday tomorrow, so make sure you guys are back here for that. To hit us up at LockedOnLAC, or you can hit me up at DanTalkSports, or David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD, and his DMs are always open. If you just want to slide in there, you don't want your question out there, just slide into David Drogemeyer's DMs. But make sure you guys are always making us your first listen, and you can do that by following us on wherever wherever you get your podcast from, or you can subscribe on our Locked On Chargers YouTube channel as well. If you guys need a second listen, you guys can check out the Peacock and Williamson show available wherever you get your podcast from. If you want to keep up with everything going on around the NFL, and the first two weeks of the NFL have been absolutely nuts, and I'm sure it's not going to change tonight with a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. But make sure you guys are here tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday. Get your questions in because you guys always come through, so I'm sure it's going to be a great show. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.